So hi, Patrick, what was your first computer? Well, my first computer was a uh, 486, sometimes in 95, I suppose. 486? Yes. So you are like 15 years old or, or what? Almost. Yeah. Good guess. A good guess, perfect. <laughs> And what you did with the 486? Uh, well, lots of things, because uh, already before I had access uh, to the Spark workstation and, and uh, a local university. Okay, so, yeah, which one? Like all the, well, I don't know which one. Was that, How it looked like? Was it, was it like a tower or like a blade? No, it was like kind of... Thin. Blade. Mm -hmm. Okay. And yeah, uh, it was it, it was it was only over TTI, so it was like it looked uh, really like an old text terminal. Okay, because so uh, because I had also access to uh, Spark workstations during uh, trainings, and uh, the hardware looked really nice. So this is why I'm asking because uh, it, it looked really n n well done back then. Yeah, but it was kind of like a a computing center in the university, you know. So this was behind. Uh, fireproof doors and so so you can only look at it. Oh, okay. All you got, all you got was a uh, was a green screen. Okay. Uh, which university was it? A uh, local university uh, here in Kosice, technical university. Of Kosice. Ah, Kosice. This is in uh, Czech Republic. Slovakia. Slovakia. Okay. Um, okay. Really interesting. So um, you spend time with computers because uh, before having one, right? What I understood. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so so, so what was you know the the first contact with the computer? So I have to frame the question differently. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. So the thing I remember uh, because yeah, I, I've read like lots of books before, like the popular books on all of the eight bit computing, but only on the on the basic part. So anytime I got near an eight bit computer, I will try to make a program and it wouldn't work because yeah you cannot just make it uh, on the spot when, <laughs> when you have no idea how it works and uh, then the interesting one was yeah when I got the success so finally I found out like yeah there there is a network out there yeah but it was only gopher at the time so uh, uh, World Wide Web wasn't really yeah. taken off yet And especially on the text terminals, it wouldn't help anyway. Yeah, but it's still interesting. So you started to read books before having one computer. So why you did it? So what are your expectations? Or I, I mean, you know. I don't know. I, I, I did like it. So I think the first book had like this nice graphics, like this kind of polygons or end-to-end -end connection. I was really intrigued by how do I do that? So I was kind of trying to yeah, create some graphics out of it. Ah, but, okay. Uh -huh. So were you somehow back then inspired by you know popular culture, movies, or you just yeah 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 something like that yeah so computers were like popular interesting thing and I was, okay uh, trying to figure out yeah how how that works okay nice so you um okay so I got you so you, you and then there was then you uh, um started to study right and had access to Spark yeah. and then you bought a four eighty six uh. Yes, kind of like that. So uh, I've got a 486. Uh, this was yeah, kind of like a friendly access I got. Uh, but the 486 was uh, uh, was the high school, yeah. Oh, that is high school. Okay, so and you already had that yeah. high school uh, access to Spark Station. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> I was really lucky. To, to, to yeah, this that. is crazy. Okay, <laughs> this was, this is interesting. Okay, so now now I'm curious. So you got to high school 486. So and you started programming or gaming? Uh, mostly programming because I had that access, so I already knew like this 
small mm -hmm. Unix utilities to patch together. Uh, and uh, so then I think I found in the high school we had book, uh, we had the camel book, the Perl reference manual. Huh. So that kind of gave lots of ideas. And it was really written in a way that it actually taught programming as well. So still crazy. It's high school running, uh, learning camel on 486. So uh, yeah, it's a unique story. So and, and what you actually would like to achieve back then? Also, what was your idea? Uh, uh, writing, you know, graphic software or game or? So I had like few practical things like uh, I, I, I had it to do. Yeah, uh, mother owned a small shop, so it was important to quickly do the inventory. So yeah, mm -hmm. I kind of do like the, the simple kind of spreadsheet software just for entering like the total so I can type it quickly so it doesn't take like my whole day so I can go through the inventory in, in, in a few hours. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things. But on the other hand, I was intrigued by, by music, so I always try to like do a bit of generated music that didn't really work out because yeah that's, yeah that thing is complex but i was trying to do such things so back then so Gen i assume generating art if i if i if i use large term for that that will be generating art but in the end it was like yeah random beats yeah so like you were probably inspired by jean-michel Jarre, right yes, pink floyd yeah, and Kraftwerk. Kraftwerk. okay autobahn yeah love that one <laughs> yeah and um yeah, Kraftwerk is interesting, but because what I uh, what I understand is they delivered several. Uh, they had a tour, a concert, and uh, on some of them they were robots, and only in a few spots they were the actual, you know, players. So, which is uh, for for that time, it was interesting, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so you had a four eighty six, and um, you started to programming in Camel to uh, do some beeps called generative art. Now we could, yeah. of course, sell it as uh, machine learning uh, or AI, uh, at least. And back then yeah. was just programming, right? So, um, and, um, okay, so what, what is the next step? So what was the next language after Camel, the next computer? Uh, the, the, the next step would be also uh, received from the same person who came access to the university. I received a, a Java demo CD. So wow. Who is the secret person? That's my cousin. Okay. They, uh, he was he was like a uh, uh, sound distributor at that time. So. Ah, okay. So this is why the Java demo. This was a JDK yeah. uh, 1 101, I would say, or something like that. Okay. Maybe I have the same CD. It was like uh, with the Java logo on it, and it was paper, yeah. so you can open that. And uh, okay, so uh, interesting. So and. Uh, and what you did then? Try the CD or? Yeah, I did try the CD. I understood that there is something like Java language. At that point, it was not that important because I liked it actually with a uh, 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 with kind of network levels that was more kind of web pages because everybody wanted a web page back then. Mm -hmm. So uh, I didn't use Java at the time, but also yeah, it took like fifty seconds to start up and uh, for for an applet. Right, and, uh, and Netscape Navigator. Okay, uh, what do you uh, use back then for websites? Um, hmm. PHP? I think that was, that was various, various uh, text editors. I don't remember. Hot Metal? Likely, likely text, 
Uh, no, I think it was uh, the text that exists already, probably. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah. you, you yeah. said you did something different uh, different for writing websites. Oh. I mean, static websites, right? So there was no dynamic in your. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. this will understand. Okay. Because uh, yeah. why I'm asking is because uh, I was asking one point of time to do something with CGI or PHP. I had no idea about that. So I knew Java. So I, w I was more or less forced to, to do Java on the server side. And I had to convince my clients to pick Java instead of CGI. And this was easy because uh, CGI had some problems with security and cold startup, which reminds me a little bit uh, uh, on Lambdas. And uh, and Java was, uh, was, was ready to use and had better... better uh, cold start performance so um this was this was my story so this is why i ask okay so you started with java yeah, and okay. uh, yeah go ahead yeah then later in the university i discovered uh, apache cocoon yeah which is xml publishing the, pipeline xml publishing pipeline and that i think that, uh, for me that was a, a revolution uh -huh. yeah. kind of like i had my site structure decoupled from my data sources and everything like neatly bound together with XSLT. And uh, I, 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 in in Germany, there was the, or still is, the JAX conference. And um, if I delivered some talks, early talks, it was like around 2000. The Cocoon was huge in Germany. So the, the, the guys from Cocoon were always before me and the uh, room was full and they you know, and, and I tried that. But for me, it was a little bit, too complicated somehow so you know to um, and what i did in one point of time i remember i just used plain xml and uh, Zalan and Circus with java and generated uh, from xml and xsl uh, html uh, right away and this was for me simpler or or i don't know simpler uh, more predictable than the entire cocoon pipeline back then and um, yeah, yeah probably and and but, yeah interesting know, interesting it's, it's, it's similar uh, yeah that's interesting too thing with the tools you know when you don't know anything else suddenly you've got this and figure out how to do yeah. it suddenly it's powerful but actually that might be something much simpler to do and, and, and achieve the same thing but the development workflow with Cocoon was really uh, really good because everything would just uh yeah. You, yeah. you will save a file you change your change your structure just save it immediately you can test it out in the browser yeah. so yeah, for me, it was uh, always more like, you know, uh, I tried to understand what is Cocoon. Okay, it, it does, you know, uh, XSLT transformations. Like, okay, but Java does this as well. So uh, how it look like in Java? So, so okay, easy. So then I don't like Cocoon, you know. This was always my thinking process. Yeah. Is it something available in Java? If it is, is it hard? No, then I will use Java. So this was like um, this... What I what I what I do for twenty years, and uh, it, it still works interestingly. And um, so okay, so. Um, Later, with, uh, you did some cocoon. So, what happened before? Oh, what was your first applet about? Was it like built-in applet or Hello World or what do you you remember that? I, I don't think I actually written an, an applet. Okay. Uh, in Java, I think my first like real thing I did in Java was mm -hmm. uh, was a computer graphics assignment, like oh. make a rotating cube. Rotating cube, uh, not bad. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, but. Yeah, that was exactly the kind of thing Java was not good for at that time, but mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, because of, yeah, to really make the metrics computation fast, it was just lots yeah. of arrays, uh, and yeah, it took time to figure out mm -hmm. which thing to multiply with which other thing. But this was for a school assignment, as I understand, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you like Java? Or you said, okay, Camel yes. is... Because from Camel to Java is quite a journey, right? Yeah, well, uh, uh, no, it, it was Perl. So I was referring to, to Camel book 
So ah, the like, camel uh, book. And I per, thought per, per, per the program. camel programming language. I was really impressed. No, no, no. no, no I'm no, a little no, bit no, less no. impressed, you know. So now uh, okay. with Pearl. <laughs> but, uh, but I also have the book from O'Reilly, right? This is the uh, yes, O'Reilly yeah. book with the camel on it. And I was yeah. really delighted. Like, uh, 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 you know, uh, someone at, at, at high school learns camel yeah, programming language for fun, that. which yeah. runs on 486. I said, like, okay, you, you are a genius, you know. So this is like, but Pearl is like, oh, okay, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> so now you just uh, know uh, a really smart guy, no more a prodigy or something like this, right? <laughs> okay, so, um, okay, from Pearl to Java, so I assume you, li you like Java, right? So because, I mean, there is... Uh... Yeah, yeah, it was uh, uh, nice, yeah. The, the error messages were easier to grasp. Yeah, what for me, what Java was the problem at the beginning, what I remember is it was for everyone, you know, was uh, delighted about uh, run once and uh, no, write once and <laughs> run everywhere. And for me, it was like cheating because uh, I had always installed the JVM everywhere. So, okay, but if I, you know, have to install the JVM everywhere, of course it will run everywhere. This is like, you know, saying uh, Word runs everywhere, uh, my document, because, and then I have to install the Word software first and then I can look at the document. So, this was, but then I got it. So, on in my computers, there was Java already. So, but at the beginning because i started with c actually so uh and and for me it was uh not understandable what's the deal with java right so at, at the beginning okay so um so you did uh, so, so you did java at the high school uh, at the university uh, at the university later so for you for you it was just natural to start studying computer science right yeah and it was still in uh your country uh city where was it in yes yeah 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 i, I actually didn't move away from Kosice this entire time. Kosice. Okay. Where is it? Uh, in, in the near of Bratislava? How far away that's, is it? That's the eastern, that's, uh, eastern Slovakia, so it's around about 450 kilometers from Bratislava. Wow. Okay. So, so it's quite, quite on the opposite ends of, the, of Slovakia. Okay. Okay, because it was a couple of times Bratislava, so uh, therefore... Um, okay. So um, you um, started to study and you knew Java. The first computer assignment was, uh, or one of, was uh, a rotating cube with matrix calculations. Yeah. What happened at the university? So you, you joined Java, you did something, you know, on the side in the Olysia, some projects, interesting projects, Java projects? Kind of, yeah. I was continuing like, building those websites in Cocoon during, during the ah. university. Uh -huh. So then eventually, yeah, that, then I landed in, in the advertising agency. Okay. So kind of a natural uh natural uh, follow-up to that uh but after a while i started to miss like or try that i should do like real programming mm -hmm. so uh, i i joined an uh, outsourcing or outsourced order of a, of a german utility company over here okay and Kosice. uh and then i switched to sap for a few years ah sap and so, java or sap and abap sap and abap that was quite a shock yeah, it is a shock. But I met uh, the uh, one of the guys who created ABAP um, per accident. I was um, because I don't. I assume it was around two thousand and three. Uh, my assignment was uh, to teach the uh, ABAP people Java, and okay. uh, and there were some uh, people who were in the origin garage where they create you know the SAP engine for ABAP execution. So this was a very interesting because we had a chat and this is somehow the virtual machine and how they call it is very similar to Java, actually. So uh, yes. 
Yeah, and I had a really hard time, you know, to 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 explain the ABAP people Java because they really liked the development experience in ABAP. So everything was integrated in kind of workbench. I don't know how to call it back then, but it was like an integrated IDE. And um, I think I did back then either. 2003, I assume it was Eclipse, because I started with you know, JBuilder in Visual Studio, and then I migrated completely to Eclipse, and then uh, NetBeans was usable, so I switched completely to NetBeans. Um, so uh, and th and for them it was uh, really hard to understand why it is so complicated. So we have a you no know, standalone IDE, and we have to st to save the sources and check them in. So it, for them it was ter terrible experience with Java, and uh, for me it was uh, interesting experience in ABAP. So uh, I just wanted to learn more. In, when we met after the training, and we had lots of chats how 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 uh, the SAP is working internally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, from that point of view, it, it was really interesting. It's good development experience. There was. It. It could be seen that there is some kind of virtual machine running beneath that. Yeah, the only problem was the language was inconsistent. So, mm -hmm. you know, if after if after four years you will need to look up uh, how to add an element into an array, probably it's not a not the most uh, uh, language with easy syntax. <laughs> and this is someone who 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 knows Perl, right? So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So and then you quit uh, the uh, ABAP journey, right? And back to Java or what? Well, well, yeah, yeah. Then I wanted to go back to Java, but I still stayed in the in the SAP ecosystem. So oh. I was working with with NetWeaver Java ah, for yeah, a few okay. more years, then, which was kind NetWeaver of was the application server, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, everything was NetWeaver at one time. No, but NetWeaver application server. This yeah. is what I know uh, because yeah, I tested yeah, yeah, that. NetWeaver yeah. Java. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think SAP had, had like this uh, naming period that everything was named NetWeaver, so it was hard to tell which. To, yeah. With a switch, but yeah, there was a uh, Java application server. Uh, it actually was a Java IE application server, but they have like so many custom APIs that at least at, at those projects I was helping maintaining couldn't even see that it is a, a, a Java IE application. Yeah, because yeah, they had their custom uh, custom UI. Uh, yeah, it's WebDim Pro. WebDim Pro, exactly. Was, like in theory, it was it was. Perfect, uh, like uh, fully declarative, and uh, with visual editors. But yeah, it was it was really hard to get anything done there because yeah, uh, um, <laughs> it was quite different to anything else out there. Yeah, um, this NetWeaver I, I um, evaluated for uh, some companies, and uh, what I also did now because you're mentioning Webdin Pro, um, I don't know whether it was Webdin Pro, but I was hired. Uh, to, um, to help them with uh, a struts-like action-based framework. And I think it was the beginning of Webdin Pro or something before. This was the very, very version, uh, very first version. And uh, so we had some some meetings in, uh, I think St. Leon Roth is the uh, university and uh, Waldorf exactly is the headquarters mm -hmm. where I spent some time. Um, okay, so um, I think I have to check whether, whether it was Webdin Pro or, or was something before Webdin Pro back then, or was the 2003 uh, timeframe, so. 2004. Um, okay, so uh, you enjoyed then the SAP flavor of Java a little bit with code generation. Moving everything outside of the generated part so I can actually code something and then just integrate it together. 
Yeah, ex yeah. Uh, which wasn't really, uh, which wasn't really the advertised way of doing things, but it was the practical way of doing. Things. This is my impression; is always the case. So what happens is someone, someone, you know, um, there's an ad like you, you don't have low code or you don't have to know nothing about coding, and then you would like to do something more complex, and then you end up coding in something which was not meant to code, and then uh, it, is, it becomes really, really hard. So I had these experiences with workflow engines, with uh, rule engines, with uh, uh, whatever. So instead, you know, coding some Java, uh, we had to code scripting languages which were hard to debug and hard to to profile and uh, uh, no syntax highlighting and so i'm really curious whether the low code or, or or there will be something like a low code in future which is easy to understand and really working right yeah i agree because it ended up like you need to understand how the internals of the code generation work yeah if you if you really want to do something specific then mm -hmm. it's actually more work than uh, okay do it yourself fully yeah so after your experience with netweaver code generation uh what happened then and then another project came up Huh. at the same company and it was like uh, uh create a electric vehicle charging station management system wow and, and uh, really... this is how you started a tesla right <laughs> 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 no it was it, it was still the same same german utility company interesting and, when was it uh 2006 I uh -huh. okay and uh, yeah, and it was really like blank check, like, okay, you know what you can do. So here, yeah, take whatever you want mm -hmm. uh, to, to implement that. So I started looking around. Yes, first thing I, I knew for sure, it's not going to be subnet weaver. <laughs> so, I <had> yeah. to... <laughs> so I had to look around uh, what is there. And at the time I was reading two books. I was reading uh, OSGI in action and I was reading ActiveIQ in action. Oh, this OSGI book like... is a little bit dangerous, I would say, for, for such projects. <laughs> it's not far away from NetWeaver, I would say, right? <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, I wouldn't say that's that much dangerous, but I was then looking for a runtime. Okay, what do I run at that? Mm -hmm. So there are those native mm -hmm. OSGI runtimes, or there were already at the time, there was CatAuth and so on. Uh, but it didn't look like a, quite a good environment for running a server application. Yeah. And, yeah, Felix, was, there were Felix as well, CatAuth uh, Felix, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't something that would give me UI, web services, and all those things that it, that it would need. Uh, so at that time, the natural choice was Classroom 3. Oh, exactly. Which, which is runtime, uh, yeah. It's, it's a runtime. Can do, can do OSGI, can do OSGI uh, hybrid application or Java E OSGI hybrid applications. Uh, can also basically host ActiveMQ within it so I could have everything in single process. Mm -hmm. And has nice admin user interface. This was the selling feature back then, so I really liked Glassfish because of that. So back then, no kidding. So Glassfish was the absolute reasonable choice, and uh, I think at that time everything was Glassfish. I, I, I all my projects were Glassfish, uh, I, but this started in Glassfish V two. Um, before that, I use a lot of JBoss and Whitefly. The problem was with them that uh, dark period, I think around version five, which didn't work, and uh, there was no admin user interface. And what I really enjoyed, you know, some and Glassfish came with uh, great monitoring, which was a big deal for me because I always wanted to see what's going on there. And uh, yeah, so uh, interesting that you also started with Glassfish in two thousand and six. So, so you implemented something with Glassfish, and uh, what was the idea in admins then? Uh, no, I started uh, with Eclipse back then. Okay. And 
Yeah, and it was really running like the first release of Glassfish 3 uh, that had all of those features combined. Uh, yeah, and this continued for next nine years. Nine years? Yeah. Two, until 2015, okay. And what was the architecture, if you can talk about that? So um, it was uh, lean, you know, like thin, thin wars, or you build your own Patrick framework? Uh, <laughs> combination. <laughs> okay. Combination. And it, and it was evolving. So it started as an, uh, as an OSGI hybrid app. Okay. Yeah, and there were some requirements that parts of the system had to be in different networks. So mm -hmm. it was always at least, at least two separate... Uh, to uh, separate JVMs and different networks mm -hmm. bridged by ActiveMQ. Okay. So there was message exchange and uh, between the components. At first, it was OSGI hybrid components for for few releases, uh, and then I realized it doesn't. It's, it's not bringing any value. Mm -hmm. the, the first idea was that we are communicating with the charging stations. We need to be always available, also during. Uh, deployment so we can basically replace the small parts of the system, which mm -hmm. was possible with OSGI, uh, while verifying that everything links together correctly you know, when, when we upgrade versions, so it, it will fail early and we can roll back. But uh, there was lots of... One had to restart the individual bundles anyway, mm -hmm. yeah, especially when there was the, the Java E integration. So we dropped that uh, and later went for in the end, we went for, for EAR files because... Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you yeah, can ship everything like, at once, right? Pure, pure, we have like pure JV modules in some parts of applications, so those dedicated only to background processing. There was lots of MDBs and scheduled deals, and, uh, so that will be one EAR. The front-end part will be... Uh, will be another one so it's interesting because i would say one of the view use cases where i would see you know hgi being reasonable so direct use of hgi would be like hardware and charging station is something like this right but even in this case <laughs> it was uh, over over engineered or not over engineered not, not needed actually right yeah yeah it wasn't needed and, and it actually actually the deployment time was much much uh, longer because of the need of the restart of the partial components yeah so, and this so, is what I never got, I think, because from... what happens, we got like from, from 20 minutes deployment process, mm -hmm. we got back like to, to three minutes deployment process and yeah. when, we, when we went from OSGI to, to EAR. Yeah, and yeah, of course. And uh, f uh, from the architectural point of view, I would say it's even better because uh, e either the deployment works or not, there is no partial failure. If you're fiddling with yeah. lots of OSGI bundles, if one doesn't start up, then it's the, you know, the charging station in an inconsistent state. So from my perspective, even worse than, uh, you know, uh, fail fast with uh, ears. So I would choose wars back then, but uh, maybe you had, uh, maybe uh, I, I understand why, because probably you had, you know, specific class path or class loadings requirements, which are achievable with ear and impossible with war, because war is simpler, right? Yeah, I don't remember the exact reason, but yes, of course, at, at the time I was following your blog. Quite oh, <laughs> so, but, but back then, so, since 2006, so, I'm proposing wars, actually. Yes, yes. I, I know there was a reason why it didn't fit the model. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. Oh, that, that means this is in my responsibility. Uh, the the uh, German uh, car uh, charging network is uh, somehow also inspired by my blog. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> in, in a way, yeah. There are lots of small patterns were, were adapted. Yeah. And, and um, through, again, like like that, the communication protocol for uh, for the stations, yeah, which was appropriately appropriately protocol. 
this was the only thing that kept uh, using OSGI because it was basically raw threads and raw sockets. Yeah, yeah. So it took some year for me to take a carriage and rewrite that into uh, into JCA and Flow adapter. Okay. And then, yeah, then it looked nice. So interesting. And 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 was it for you productive? What you did with Glassfish, or was it like? Yeah, I I think it was. Yeah, we were able to achieve. Uh, yeah, anything customer needed. So. Yeah, this is your, uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have a feeling: is it the right way to do or not? I mean, this is uh, bit. So I was in a in a project to give you an example. It was an IoT project, and they used a custom framework. And uh, this was a funny story actually. And uh, they asked me, and I had I was in a task force, and uh, we had you know to to fix some problems. And there was the IoT uh, device, and uh, it was uh, the software was written in Java. And uh, the uh, problem we had with uh, was outside of the device and on on a server. But they say, okay, this is the device. Uh, what we only need is the version number of the device. Can you just extend it with Java? I said, of course, this is easy. And <laughs> I look at the software, and uh, there was no method like you know get version so you had to write commands and send commands wait for responses i think i spent three days to invoke one simple java method and i say no way this can be ever productive and i say and they use soap of course with you no know, xml schemas which uh, didn't f were no more up to date so if you just read that you get uh, null fields back so it was incredible it was really really bad so this is why i'm asking so in your case whether it was actually you felt productive or somehow you know say the entire java e stack is no, I, I did feel productive, and because it was always always a kind of same pattern, you know. So you need yeah. to do something. Usually, it ended up like okay, you send a JMS message somewhere, mm -hmm. somewhere at the other end, it got processed, and you got you, you got the reply back. Uh -huh. uh, okay, and and yeah, for that, for that, there was a bit of custom library. I would say it was like early implementation of Reactive when you could really have like built your response. Mm -hmm have it executed and you can either listen for the response or just synchronously wait uh, and uh, was like a huge visitor pattern where okay. that could process all of that but is the system is still operational you know it uh, no the system oh. then uh, started uh, a rewrite because it wasn't you know cloud scale <laughs> okay. so it went it went from uh around about eight JEMs that it was running or four, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it was it was around eight JEMs in total. So it was fully high available system with mm -hmm. uh, uh, active uh, uh, active passive failovers and, and blue green deployments. Mm -hmm. uh, and then went on to rewrite it into Spring Boot running on top of Cloud Foundry. Uh, and yeah, I think it's uh, it's nearly uh, finished. This transition after four years and and uh, twenty times the manpower that we had. Okay, but, but uh, and but yeah, you have sticker. Moved. But you have now sticker cloud scale. Yes, I believe they they do. Yeah, yeah. This is always interesting uh, interesting story because um, in one of my projects it was two thousand eight. Uh, 2007, so uh, maybe even 2006, because 2008 I was still in the project and it started earlier. Um, I was asked, you know, to uh, have uh, to to help with the architecture, which is uh, web scale and uh, like Google, and um, and this was like online gaming, 
and we used Glassfish, and the interesting part is it still runs, and there are four instances, and there's several thousand transactions per second, and the architecture, resulting architecture, was much simpler and much easier than anything else. So, and actually, back then, I fight it with the other people in the team to add wars. So we use still they we are running wars, and now it's I think it's Payara. And um, and uh, they were of course happy, but uh, and if you think about this, now it's almost 13 years. It absolutely pay off. You know, there was a no no custom yeah. patterns, no custom frameworks. They never had to migrate it, and and now um, if you if you if you put it this way, uh, they they saved a lot of money, and they could now migrate to whatever they like. So it doesn't matter. But uh, it, it, regardless whether something is funky or not, it is very important. Then after a few years, uh, it's. It, it pays off, right? So th this is this yeah. is this is this is the main idea, not to know, to rewrite the application every, every other month to to follow the current fashion. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was it was always just okay. If something doesn't work, learning why it doesn't work. Yeah. Because of course there, there there will be problems, especially we have some points where we have uh, like exclusive processing. Uh, mm -hmm. This combined with JMS and the things that you might fail over uh, was was always tricky. Yeah. So we. We ended up building lots of infrastructure code around that to uh -huh. actually actually agree within that active passive cluster who is going to process what. Uh -huh. uh, Which is almost like um, how it's called the um, pattern, the leader election pattern, you know? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. Uh -huh. And this is really hard. Uh, if you do this, this is. Um, how it's called? There is an algorithm, a very famous algorithm. It's used now in Kafka and everywhere. It's the leader election pattern. Um, yeah, the raft. Or... Raft, exactly. And raft and the other one is more complex. So raft is like the uh, the uh, easier version and uh, the other one, exactly. Put it to show notes. Mm -hmm. So you, you were somehow, you invented kind of parts of raft. Actually, all uh, we, we all did this back then because you always needed something like a master singleton somewhere. And um, yeah. the problem why uh, GMS is really hard in cluster is because actually to make it work, you need uh, one singleton, which is the master queue or whatever, and has to be replicated somewhere. And this is the entire trick, right? So the, um, and, and this is actually also what Kafka and all the others are doing. And uh, yeah. Yeah, but with that, I also learned, you know, like, uh, usually the kind of the, the set through uh, around horizontal scaling, that mm -hmm. you need to have fitting problem that you can yeah. just say, yeah, I want seven instances of yeah. Hello World, yeah, mm -hmm. and that scales perfectly. But suddenly, if you want seven instances of uh, building processing software, it doesn't work as, as well. Yeah. yeah. You need to guarantee that you really do things. And I'm still and convinced. And identify the things you yeah. didn't process. And I'm still convinced that uh, putting uh, more hardware on a monolith is cheaper and easier. And uh, I think the, ch the challenge is to foresee or to know in advance, you know, will this system take off like Netflix? Or with it rather boring, you know, uh, department application. And if this is, uh, and even you know, my gaming system, online gaming system, was not like Netflix, right? So um, the having for 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 Payaras or Glassfishes was more than enough. And um, so if you if you can deliver monolith, I mean, the productivity and everything, it's just this. It is very high comparing, you know, to a distributed application. Yeah. Because yeah, there's a single deployment, uh, you you can use refactoring, and, and it is everything is better and easier. So this is the only thing is it it, it is called monolith, right? So the only problem with that. Yeah, yeah, and, and you hit those distributed problems only tangentially. Yeah, so I think one of the cases is if you want to do blue green deployment, 
and you then need to care about about the message compatibility between the versions yeah, yeah. or database schema compatibility yeah. and but, but it's really just the corner cases that you can kind of keep in your head that yeah. i need to i need to pay attention to this suddenly if you've got like 30 downstream consumers it's much harder to communicate such change yeah uh, yeah, great. So, what happened after? Uh, so I assume you stopped to work because uh, you were uh, forced to rewrite the software, and so then I quit. Or what was the story? Two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Well, the story yeah still was uh, keeping on. Um, probably worked in some different year uh, on the true timeline. That could be like two thousand eighteen. Uh huh. Uh, Nineteen. Uh, Yes, I wasn't really into into doing that rewrite because we shared the same <laughs> uh, uh, same ideas about about distributed systems and microservices. Yeah, even before uh, I reached out to to Payara uh, mm -hmm. when they were uh, looking for engineers, because of course, since we were running that in production, it was great on Glassfish three. Glassfish four came out. It wasn't really production capable. Yeah, without without support. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and it had peculiar licensing, which kind of for our eight VMs would require the company to buy support for ten thousand VMs. So uh, that wasn't really a way. So then we slowly migrated to to Pyra four, but it also had its its own own bugs. So yeah, I I was basically diagnosing those and and submitting patches. Mm -hmm. So. Ah. I was already familiar with the server by 2018, 2019. Okay. And you, when you started uh, Payara? I think it was 2019. Okay. So, Interesting. 2019. Didn't you that? And have have we ever met in person somewhere? No. Uh, yes, we did. Uh huh. I think it was like uh, a few times on demos, but I also took part in one of the Airhex trainings. Ah, uh -huh. in of the weekly workshops in Munich. Yes. This is why I know you, because I think either I know you from, I watched your talks, because I had always the, I know you from somewhere, you know, so this was, uh-huh, interesting. So you were on the, um, in Munich at the uh, workshop, so now I'm do, doing the, them online, uh, which uh, is even more interesting. It was last week one, so people from all over the world, actually, from Cleveland and India, and it's crazy. So um, they were always international, of course, but now it's even, and even people from Australia joined. I, I wouldn't, I don't think they will come, you know, to Munich, but uh, online it works. Um, okay, so, uh, and, and when was it? Well, you know, when, when you joined the, the workshops? 2000? Ooh, I'm not sure, 2007 or something like that. No, no, wait, that's too early. No, no, too no, early, no, no. 2015. Too early, uh, 2013, I started to think them. Yeah, yeah, so 2015, yeah, you know, a year ago. Okay, so my, nice. My, my uh, uh, yeah, strong, <laughs> strong thing. Okay, so, uh, and you joined then Payara. So what you st what you did at Payara back then? So what was your idea and how, why you joined or what was your task or what was your role at Payara? Well, first it was like, you know, general feature development and bug fixing. So there are always bugs that need to solve, yeah, that needs test, that mm -hmm. needs fixing, that needs integrating that. Then I was looking a bit into, into profiling, uh, mm -hmm. especially the deployment process uh, that yet will need like a bit of work. And then the Jakarta transition finished mm -hmm. uh, and we needed to integrate the TCK build, mm -hmm. so that was one of the one of the bigger jobs then to 
to build against the TCK and to actually pass the TCK because all of those small features had some corner cases that needed fixing. So yeah, identifying why a test fails and fixing mm -hmm. it in a way that the feature remains intact while it's it's fully compatible yet. Okay, that is what I believe. So and and then after TCK. After TCK, then we start being, uh, then Steve came with the idea of, yeah, we will building uh, a cloud application server. And okay, this was this is what I wanted to ask you. Who came up with the idea actually? Because, uh, because um, yeah, uh, this is, it happens in two years twice. So one genius idea was Quarkus and the next one was Pyra Cloud. This is like two opposite, for me, two opposite directions and both are valid and both are extremely interesting, I would say. So uh, this is like, uh, and, and both are still, you know, following still the Java E idea, but uh, the execution is completely different. So this is why, why it's so interesting. So th this was a Steve's idea with the cloud server. Yes, yeah, Steve. Okay. Well, it was his. I want a cloud server in some way, mm -hmm. but then came the briefing that how we will, uh, how we are going to approach it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, in the way that if we look what the domain administration server here or admin part of of mm -hmm. is doing, is actually just assigning resources to applications. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whether it is like a specific configuration, a specific node to run on, mm -hmm. uh, any other any other resource limits it should have. So that's basically the same thing. It doesn't need to be a single process. Yeah. And so the I'll... idea is let's build, let's build an administration part of the server in a way that it manages, for example, Kubernetes instances yeah. instead. And this is the genius because, I mean, uh, this is what the application server always did. And Kubernetes is a de facto standard for private clouds. And uh, I would say, and now you have, you know, the same tooling which is, you know, works for 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. Glassfish, I think, is more or less 20 years now. And uh, and now you can use, you know, another great technology called Kubernetes. And uh, for you, it looks more or less the same. And we can actually ship the same applications to the cloud. And how it works is, this is my understanding. So you can put, you know, the war to the application server, to the admin server, and it will start and stop Pyara Micros, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. And I was always against Payara Micro because my problem was this the Payara full is uh, small enough. And uh, for me, it was no reason to use the Payara Micro as like a fashion. So I was always against. But now it makes absolute sense because this is the other thing which I really like because now it makes absolute sense. You have the Payara full, which is the admin server, I guess. I guess. And the micros, uh, you know, every savings you can get because you can get lots of them is really worth because now we are running a cloud, right? So uh, it is, it fits, yes. per it fits perfectly, I would say, you know, because I always argue to you know if I'm running five Payaras, whether they will consume, you know, 500 megs of RAM or 700 megs of RAM, who cares about that? So, uh, I mean, then, then before I will create my unique snowflake, I will pick the Payara full and I will find even more documentation because the Payara, I will find, you know, the Glassfish 3 and 4 documentation from sometimes and they are very, very compatible. This was my argumentation, but now it's great, but I don't have to know, even to know it because it happens behind the scenes. So for me, it appears as, as um, if it would be just one application server there, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the idea that even the Pyro Micro is an implementation detail or the fact we are running on Kubernetes yeah. should remain an implementation detail. And you're building this right now? The uh... Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so there are multiple people involved, yeah, but I do most of that infrastructural part. So the one you interact with uh, during demo is... Okay. okay. And how you like Kubernetes? Uh, <laughs> uh,
yeah, so far so good. Like, I like the idea. You know, it's, it's, it has the same idea. I like my charge staging, uh, charge, uh, charging station message processing. Yeah. Know, I just somewhere, somewhere post, yeah, this is what I want. And I know there is some process that will pick it up and make it happen. Yeah. And it might, might take a while, yeah, or it may fail, but I need to account for that. So. No, this is what I get. I like, I, I like the way that, that, that it is built. Yeah. Under deep, there are lots of details that are sometimes hard to understand, especially if you go down to, to networking level and, mm -hmm. and, and so on. And, and uh, persistent disk allocation. But uh, yeah, I'm happy to have a problem that, which can kind of ignore those problems, you know, yeah, no, especially um... the, 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 the persistent state. Uh, uh, I don't need to care because uh, we only offer like ephemeral storage at this point. Mm -hmm. if, no, if you yeah. need to store something, you can, but that's not the purpose. No, um, uh, why I'm asking is because um, I, I get that, but what I never got is the excitement of the Java community around Kubernetes and all the conferences, because if you look at that from Java developer point of view, not from your point of view, this is exactly like OSGI, you know, OSGI is great if you're building a server. For me, it was always a terrible idea to use OSGI for application development. And I, 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 no one could convince me because I couldn't see this. And um, I got back then also lots of hits on Twitter because there was back then, you know, OSGI, <laughs> OSGI evangelist on they, they really love it, but it, everything disappeared was OSGI related right now, I would say. And uh, Kubernetes is similar, because if you look at the raw tooling, right, it is, it is actually terrible. You have to write uh, lots of YAML, uh, you have to, 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 to wait a while until something happens, and then at the end of the day, you get uh, something which works like before, so there's actually no no added value for business. Nothing. If you are, you could of course scale better, but we had already the conversation. Who really uh, needs you know uh, the bursting or whatever? But um, with the Payara clouds, a cool story is. Uh, I, I don't see any YAML. So this is what I like the most. I can, I have my war. And I get I'm, to see all the YAML, yeah. Yeah, you have to, yeah, but this is your problem, right? So, so you always yeah. had to, you know, to fiddle with OSGI and YAMLs, but I can actually put my thin war on your server and um, I'm done. And um, also this last year, I, I delivered, and I already um, mentioned it several times, but still interesting, a uh, talk in 2012, I think, uh, about Java 6. Uh, Java 6, uh, like future is now, but is not evenly distributed yet. And uh, how I found that, because uh, the, the, I was invited there, in J this was JDD in Krakow uh, in 2012, and they re-invited me back last year online. So I've, uh, I said, JDD, I know them. So I searched uh, for JDD and I found the old examples. And I was just curious, and um, I just redeployed the old example on current server without any modification. And I say, this is actually genius. So um, now I would delete even more code because back then there was no microprofile config. So uh, what I did, you know, produces, uh, I produced the config with Java. E. I could delete this class, so it would be even leaner, but it, but it still worked. And, and I said, this is actually a huge story because what worked, you know, 10 years ago without any modifications, you can not only run it now, you can run it on more most modern runtime, like, you know, the newest Payara, the newest Whitefly, the newest uh, Open Liberty, uh, without any modifications, which is actually a great business story, right? And now I could even pick this example and run it on Kubernetes from 2012 without any modifications. And this is what I like, right? Yeah, yeah that's one of the goals. Yeah. So basically the lower the barrier yeah. for you to be able to, to be running in the cloud. So yeah. if, you, if you really... Uh, Cannot afford, or you don't care about managing service. Yeah, and um, the uh, so you get the access to the Pyra Cloud, and uh, so you have a kind of namespace. You call it. I think this is like Kubernetes yes. namespace, and this is like a project, right? So, so 
Yes, yeah, yeah. The idea is to 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 give a, a little bit more to give you more of the uh, the deployment management side of the things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, probably the first thing that's a, a bit a bit strange at the start is this project and stage mm -hmm. differentiation. Yeah. But in reality, you will have those. Yeah. You will have your first thing where you deploy stuff to to, to try out, but you won't have your pre-production environment. You want your production yeah. environment. So, so, so Payara Cloud that supports that from day one, right? So they support from um, day one the uh, uh, now from day one now if you if you just you know get get your environment. So then uh, you uh, you already have different stages staging environments like Dev Int and you can have as yeah, many as you like yeah. and exactly and uh, you have a project and stage, right? So this is the first decision. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea is that later you probably will be able to really perform like okay, I want to. This version I've got deployed in QA, I want to go in production. Yeah, this of course will not be available in in a few months, but uh, that's the idea to, to provide a little bit more that's really working with a single container. Mm -hmm. Another reason for namespace is that really, since your applications are in the same namespace, they can communicate directly together. So if you are doing microservices, all you need to do, all you need to know is the name of the application and you fire up HTTP request to it and you can access it. Yeah. The only part of those that applications are available from from the outside world. This is similar like, uh, like uh, Docker network or Kubernetes uh, namespace or OpenShift project, so yeah. namespace. Yeah. So what it means, uh, you can use the container names as, uh, as uh, domain names, right? Exactly. So uh, what we have is a project, which would be an application. An application yeah. can be uh, can consist of multiple wars microservices which belong to the same application. So this is this is yes. the idea. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and all are are, ho are hosted on the single domain. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, no, you mean uh, it now DNS domain or or uh, DNS domain DNS, DNS domain, domain and Pyara domain? There's no such thing like Pyara domain anymore, right? Internally, or you have uh, is no, it namespace no, domain? No. no, 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 no. Those are really separate. Separate Pyara micro instances. Yeah, and you have uh, you have one Pyara server which per Kubernetes, I think, right? Installation. Yeah, yeah. There is one kind of like the Kubernetes operator. So in, in each yeah. cluster, there is mm -hmm. this component that will mm -hmm. fetch the required changes and apply it to the mm -hmm. cluster. Okay. So it will create the deployments mm -hmm. and all of the all of those Kubernetes resources. What I also found is that you have monitoring. Uh, built in, so you see uh, a basic dashboard, so you can you yes. have a rough idea what's going on there, and uh, you can yeah. have um, so which metrics do you get out of the box? So far, we are relying on what the cloud backend will provide us. Okay. So since we are now running on AKS, uh, we are collecting the the log output of the application. AKS, so Asia, not EKS, right? Asia. Yeah, Asia mm -hmm. AKS. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And we are collecting all of the microprofile metrics properties. Uh -huh. So far, we are, and and the base uh, Kubernetes performance. Okay. And the other thing is, yeah, and then ingress metrics. So we can, yeah, we've got the access log, basically from from the Azure Application Gateway, uh, the microprofile metrics from from the server itself. Mm -hmm. That also includes some base JVM metrics. And we've got like row CPU usage and row memory usage yeah. from from Kubernetes performance counters. And would you also pick my business metrics if I would expose my own metrics? 
Uh, yes, yeah, we're working on a way to make that available. So, this would be incredible because uh, another uh, another goal is uh, similar to old bus is to bundle it with very usable uh, user interface. And uh, yeah, it takes a uh, a little while to make it understandable for or all levels of developers. Yes, want to uh, if you want to target also really the envy developers who didn't work with uh, with Glassfish before or didn't work or with Fire, of course, before or any large monitoring tool, it needs to make sense for them because those tools then tend to get quite complicated. Mm -hmm. what but I was... the metrics are captured, so they will at least be exported in some way at the beginning for, for the advanced users and then we'll be looking for a way to visualize them. Okay. What I also noticed that you can uh, register your DNS custom domains, right? Which is yes. also great. I mean, this is a. I mean, it's a part of the of of a cloud, but you know, to having in place, this is really convenient. Yeah, it it, it was. Uh, it seemed that yeah, this is a basic thing. If you really want to run your application, you probably don't want to run it on Pyra.app domain. What's about certificates? Uh, uh, they will be provided by Let's Encrypt. Yeah. So okay. you put in a custom domain. If you direct it to the proper C name that we tell you on the screen, we will arrange. Uh, uh, let's encrypt certificates. And they are going to be renewed automatically as well? Yes. Yeah. Very good. So what was like lacking, but uh, for me it would be prior one, is to have a, a command line interface for that, you know, to have a command line deployment. I think this is yeah. very important. And uh, not only to having deployment interface, this is less important. What is more important to have an API, a remote API. And I tell you yeah. why. Because uh, there are tools like Pulumi or Terraform, where you could write your custom resource and then automate everything. So this is uh, and this is uh, and you get a, a much larger adoption with that uh, than with uh, the user interface is very important now for conferences right now. But with the uh, with the Terraform and uh, or not Terraform, having first an API, then you can create a Terraform resource uh, or even a Java uh, like. Payara development kit, PDK or whatever, uh, then you can just automate that. It would be huge. Yeah, yeah. This thing is uh, is in the backlog. So also currently the API is kind of available. We need to iron out things like authentication and so on. And also it's uh, I decided to go the different route with the API. So rather than relying on open API, I rather wanted like uh, explicit linking of resources or so more more. Uh, yeah, H H approach to okay. to linking. Um, so yeah, we'll need to find a way on how to best publish the API. Mm -hmm. as, I mean, as, uh, the API, how it looks like, is important. But uh, what's more important is there, you know, and and can be automated. So this is the, this is the most important thing. Yes, but on the other hand, you know, I don't want to commit to specific URL paths. For things, yeah, because it it will limit limit the the ways in in, in which we may build uh, cloud features later. Okay, so, so what you, uh, what you also uh, have the view APIs which are interesting is the uh, O data from Microsoft. This is what Asia actually uh, also used, and uh, JSON API uh, also an inspiration, and of course Open API and uh, GraphQL is maybe. Maybe also interesting for specific, you know, matrix or something like this could be interesting, but not for everything. Um, yeah. yeah. 
But uh, and authentication, that was still the ideas from from uh, AWS or Asia, what they are doing, you know, with environment entries, yeah, access yeah. key, and secret key, and profile. Yeah, we'll we'll be build something on top of uh, OpenID, of course. Mm -hmm. that, that was also one of the areas that development of the cloud contributed. Uh, Pyara's OpenID connector uh, got lots of features, as uh, we needed implement. Yeah, specific things for the cloud. Payara has an open ID connector or is it open ID provider? So connector. It's an open ID connector. Yeah. So what it means is that I can use Payara right now for the flows, right? So I can uh, uh no, you can use uh, you can uh use a security that's basically um uh, identity provider for okay. security. So you put in an annotation, put where your provider is, your client ID, your password. And you basically get back the full JWT token. Yeah, this is uh, what I meant. And, so, and you can and you can and you can map it. You can map it to to uh, roles and and so on. So so let's keep the cloud aside. So what you're saying is that not the stock Payara, what I can do with it is I can just, uh, you know, uh, go to my REST interface. I get redirected to Keycloak, come back with the JSON web token and proceed with MicroProfile JSON web token, right? This is this what you said right yes. now. This is Vivex. Yes. Okay, this is great, actually. Interesting. So yeah, it was there for some time, but now we, uh, I think we covered more of the use cases. Mm -hmm. So it also now works for, for yeah, when you arrive with explicit token. So if you already got better token, mm -hmm. it is able to, so we don't need to combine microprofile JWT with our OpenID connector. Our OpenID connector can handle both. Yeah, or it's not compatible with, with microprofile JWT. But if you need to do both things at once, yeah, it's, uh, you, you have this capability. Very good. So, um, yes, yeah, incredible actually what happens. And um, what I, uh, last week I did a workshop on AWS and of course showed the Payara cloud and people were actually amazed about the idea because the idea is simple, but it's not obvious, right? That you can actually use a class, <laughs> you can consider a cluster of application servers as a, a cluster of microservices running on Kubernetes. So there is actually a one-to-one -one mapping, direct mapping. This is this should be obvious, but I, I didn't saw, I actually talk about this always, that what I would like to have is like a serverless wars. I never got the, the I always ask myself why Sun never did it, because they had, you know, the spec, the wars. My idea would be to push, you know, the war to Sun Microsystems Cloud. I would trust Sun because they, yeah. they and, and they never did it. And, um, but but now you're doing well, this, which is incredible, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I think uh, that used to be one of the targets for for Java EE seven, right? So yeah, they had lots of ideas about APIs to to implement to really enable cloud deployment. But yeah, yeah, they ran out of money before they yeah, but they uh, I, 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 spec is one thing, but a product before. Yeah. Because before Java 7, they already had Sun Grid product, which was a kind of a cloud. And this was terrible because you have to zip, you know, the archive and, and, and publish that. So it was not comparable with the wars. So I always ask myself, and back then I asked some people, why why not wars? Like, yeah, it's different department or whatever. It's a little, little, little problematic back then. Mm -hmm. um, one question is, will the Payara, uh, how to call it, Payara cloud uh, be also available as open source or no different clouds? Or what's the strategy there? Uh, yeah, I think that is yet to be decided. So. Okay, and who's the, who, is it going also to be available on AWS? That is one of the things. Yeah, we we are strongly considering because we know that yeah, you want mm -hmm. to be close to your data, and we will not be hosting data. So yeah, yeah, going into AWS is surely surely the uh, 
one of the earliest steps we, we will need to do. Okay. And another question which interests me is uh, uh, how this works business-wise somehow. So um, I would just uh, push something to war and pay you and you will, uh, or uh, is it like I would buy a license from you and can run this on Asia? Uh, I think this is yet to be decided. Okay. So, because what uh, yeah. what can... probably at this time at this time it will be hosted. So for the first uh, first thing it will be hosted. Mm -hmm. I can imagine having deployments where you where you deploy it into into your own cloud resources, mm -hmm. and only have this common uh, common uh, management interface over which you access it. Uh, yeah, we'll need uh, we'll have users to decide. So mm -hmm. if we've got customers that are interested in any way we will listen and, and plan okay. appropriately and um yeah because our customers know um if i show them they will ask how this works so uh i can yeah of course I will, if there's interest i will point to you but uh it's just uh, interesting to know what's what's the what's the idea behind right and uh what what can also you can talk to to amazon because um there is an Amazon managed uh, Prometheus or whatever. You could also have an Amazon managed Payara cloud or whatever, you know, so this uh, could also work. And um, do, do you thought about running this on OpenShift as well? Because it could be also interesting, right? Because this is the market is actually large. This is what I already know because uh, some of the AirHacks live attendees right now, they're just running OpenShift and they will never be in a public cloud because of restrictions. And there are huge projects yeah. and this could be really interesting, right? But OpenShift is Kubernetes. Yeah. yeah, that's what I wanted to say. OpenShift yeah. is Kubernetes. So, yeah, yeah but, but yeah, you know, for can, larger companies, for you, can, you, you, you are a geek, you know, you, you know, Camel Book, but uh, so, so you could, so, but uh, for 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 larger companies, it should be, you know, it's not um, not everyone knows really that uh, that uh, OpenShift is Kubernetes. So uh, they, they would expect, uh, you know, at least a statement. It runs also on OpenShift because larger mm -hmm. companies, as yeah, you know, they they. they yeah not always behave reasonable, right? Yes. Um, yeah, like running the, the private clause, and again, we can decide on what level of privacy, you know, what we want to achieve, whether it is only, whether it is only the operator part and you keep using the public infrastructure for, for, for the rest of it or, or some different way or, or basically entire thing deployed to your cluster. Uh, Perfect. So I would say, so we covered a lot. What I really would like to do is to invite you back um, winter or whenever you have the remote API. Okay. And, or not not even remote API, you know, new features or something clarified. I would like, you know, to have some updates with you. And um, Okay, it will be my pleasure. To and we can just talk about Pyra Cloud if you can. So just, just I know, uh, brainstorming and we can publish as a podcast uh, uh, and uh, yeah, win-win situation. So we have some fun better than, you know, a private meeting. Yeah. So yeah. perfect. Thank you. Where people can find you? You know, Twitter, GitHub. Yeah. Uh, everywhere. My, my my handle is P do this everywhere. So P do this. Mm -hmm. Twitter, Twitter, GitHub, SoundCloud. You could find SoundCloud actually with that. With, with your music? <laughs> but there's not nothing in. Uh, no, I didn't publish any music there. Probably just one or Okay. But... Ah, I know why, why I know you always uh, because there's a book from Stephen King. And the name is also Duditz. Do, do you know this? Yes, yes. Some people mentioned that to me. Yeah, it is also, this is, I never will forget your name. And uh, actually, uh, you joined the AHEX, and I thought we met at Java 1 somehow, but we met actually in Munich. And uh, yeah, which uh, was it? Uh, was the workshop well attended back then? You remember? Was it full or? Yeah, I think, I think yeah, the room was full. 
Okay, so uh, okay then oh. probably. And was it the winter, summer? Any any ideas? No. I think it was spring or something like that. Okay, spring is unfortunate. Or summer. Because summer, we had uh, a couple of times in Munich Airport, there was a uh, world championships in uh, standing wave. It looks like surfing for me, but it was uh, huge. Okay. Yeah. And in winter, we have the, uh, you know, the uh, winter market. So the Christmas market. So this is why I'm asking you, because it was also some yeah. fun with us in this. Uh -huh. And spring is, uh, was always a little bit boring. So you are in the unfortunate situation <laughs> joining the AX Spring uh, edition. So thank you and see you next time. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.